another episode of the All Ears on Me podcast. I'm your host, Robson Scott, and I've got a good episode lined up for you today. Um, I've got some further questions from last week's podcast, so it's a bit of a follow-on from that. Um, I'm then going to talk about my Spotify Unwrapped, as um, I know it's that time of year and everyone's kind of interested in what everyone's listening to, so um, I'm going to go through mine, and we're going to discuss about how sort of true I think it is, and um, my year in music as well as podcasts. So I've got some recommendations in terms of podcasts, um, and then I'm going to talk about some Christmas films and what my recommendations are for that and what my sort of top three are and we'll just discuss sort of other Christmas films from a top 20 list that I've found. So going straight into it, the first question that I've got is um, Rate Big Bang Theory, uh, the programme, out of 10. Um, I'm going to give it a solid 8.5 because it is one of my favourite shows. It did make my top five in the sitcom podcast that we did, which is one of the earlier ones. So check that out if you haven't um, and see where I ranked that. And I think that's just because I loved it so much as a kid. Um, I, I recently finally watched the last two seasons uh, in lockdown and really enjoyed it. And um, I, I think it's just a really, really consistent show. I think it's obviously... It probably is better towards the start, but there's great stuff throughout all the way until the end. Um, I know it's not everyone's taste and it gets a lot of stick on sort of social media and stuff, but um, I really enjoy it. So, yeah, so that's that. Um, the next question is about social media and what is my favorite platform. Um, so, I mean, I'll go through it. Um, Twitter is probably my favorite platform. Um, I'm on there the most. I'm pretty addicted if I had to say anything. Um, but I'll run through sort of all the social medias and what my sort of takes are on all of them. Um, Instagram, I use as a creative tool. And in that sense, I do like it. But in terms of its general use, how like 99% of people use it, it I think it's extremely toxic and um, it's not good for anyone's mental health, really. Um, having said that, I follow, I think I've spoken about this before, but I follow a lot of artists, um, filmmakers, uh, musicians, um, a lot of creative people, and I often find a lot of inspiration from being on there um, because I get to see what other people are doing. And of course, at times I do get jealous and stuff, and that's where the kind of toxic thing comes into it. You can go like, you could do a full podcast on how toxic social media is, and especially Instagram in terms of body image and things like that. But um, in the way I use it, it's more of a creative tool rather than um, a tool I use to sort of see what other people are doing. I kind of use Facebook for that because I feel like you get a lot more of a true sense of what people are up to. Um, you sort of see a lot of if people are having kids, if people are getting engaged and stuff like that on Facebook, and you can just kind of comment on that and say, oh, well done or whatever. Um, you don't really see as much of the sort of holiday stuff and what celebrities and stuff are doing um so i think you get a lot more of a realistic view and it's kind of you obviously have a lot of people from school on there and stuff like that so it's it's good to sometimes see what they're getting up to and how their lives are evolving in a lot more sort of a natural sense rather than that over the top sense that you get on um, instagram um yeah like twitter again is my favorite um I use that as a way to sort of clear my head as well as a tool to talk about um, Liverpool and I've met loads of really good people on on Twitter, people who I consider good friends. Um, 
Shout out to Mickey, uh, who I went to watch the Champions League final with, him and his family and his friends. Um, so he was someone I'd only met once before at Wireless Festival. Um, yeah, so I mean, I've used it as a place to meet up with um, other Liverpool fans and things like that. Um, and I also use it as a space on a night time to just kind of clear my head. Um, people will probably see me rambling on there all the time. I feel like no one really takes notice and it gets lost in the feed anyway, but it's off my chest. So that's kind of how I use Twitter and that's why I like it so much. Um, but it's, of course, it's an, it's also a toxic place. You get a lot of trolls and all that sort of stuff on there that I don't really experience, obviously, but I've seen obviously all the, a lot of the sort of shit that is put on there. Um, and it's not great, but um, I think you get it on all all social media platforms. Actually, going back to Instagram on that, um, I feel like the comment section on Instagram is so broken. I, I think, to be honest, even if they got rid of it, it wouldn't be so such a bad thing because the, the comments are just all um, bot accounts. They're not even real people just promoting random stuff or um, sort of just fake kind of sex work and shit like that. It's It's just... It's just stupid. You can't. There's no. There's probably about two percent that are genuine comments, and the rest of it is just, um, just nonsense, really. Um, Snapchat, um, is pointless. Um, as soon as you're you're out of school, there's no need for Snapchat. Um, I don't really know anyone who still uses it. Um, apart from like sort of filters and things like that, um, I don't really use it unless I'm sort of sending a picture of a cat to my girlfriend who's also in the house downstairs. Um. <laughs> It'll just be that's like literally the only reason I do it to quickly snap a photo um to her. Uh, I know obviously there's a few people that still use it, but not very many. It's it's kind of pointless. Um, yeah, uh, t- TikTok and YouTube. Now I don't really know if we class these as social media um kind of platforms now, but uh, I really absolutely love YouTube and TikTok. Um, just for in terms of, I mean, I use YouTube a lot for educational purposes. For example, um, over the weekend, I was ed- an, editing an audio book um, for someone and got stuck with a problem, uh, things that I'd never come across before um, and basically taught me how to how to edit audio. So hopefully this podcast will actually sound better from the things that I've learned. Um, but yeah, I learned all that on YouTube. There's just tutorials for absolutely anything that you would ever need um, a tutorial for. Uh, it's great in the industry that I'm kind of in and working my way into. Just the things that you can learn off there are, are incredible. If you can sit and spend your time on there, then you can learn how to be virtually a pro at anything. Um, having said that, I think the same for TikTok and obviously the short format's quite good. Obviously it can get annoying at times and you do just get a lot of good crap, I would say, on there. Stuff that you are interested in, but that's not very useful. It's a very, very entertaining platform. Um, but yeah, I think YouTube's better for that. Um, but TikTok's great. I mean, the platform, like the Ratatouille musical and stuff that's come from that, um, it's just so creative. I think it's such a creative space and it drives a lot of people to be creative. It's just, it's a platform for people who can dance, people who can sing, um, people who create things like all types of art, um, just just anything. And I think it's inspired a lot of people to, to sort of try other things and try art during lockdown and stuff like that, which is, which is a great thing. Um, so yeah, they're both amazing. Um, I just want to kind of give people some recommendations on on some things that I like to watch on YouTube that people might be interested in. Um, because I, I'm all for people giving me suggestions on things to watch. It's like, 
when someone suggests something to you and you go on and you see that there's loads and loads of episodes of things you can watch really really long episodes and stuff like that and i just love binge watching things on youtube i think it's a sort of um more fun platform to find something on than than even netflix because you know that um when it's a youtube account that like nine times out of ten it's it's just off someone's own back and they've ended up becoming um kind of popular on there because of their um their passion um but here's some accounts uh, some of them i've already spoke about on here but uh, the first one is um ghost town living which is about a man who um bought a gold mine a few years ago but sorry bought a ghost town a few years ago that has some silver mines um in it and stuff like that it's huge and he basically documents the whole thing he moved up there in february and there's been so many ups and downs and um if you're into kind of exploration kind of things um and just watching someone live a totally different life to anything you've probably ever seen before it's definitely worth it um so definitely check that out i've obviously already spoke about it before but um yeah i can't i can't recommend that um highly enough um there's another uh, one that i found during lockdown that I never really thought that I would be into, but I absolutely love it and I'm addicted. Called he's called Shay. Um, very sort of inconsistent uploads because he's off doing things all the time. So you'll not say anything for sort of three months and then you'll have like a full series kind of thing. Um that's spelt S H I E Y. Um and basically he's an explorer, um, but he doesn't uh, like to sort of pay for anything and in, in terms of like he doesn't like pay for a hostel very often and things like that when he goes traveling he doesn't pay for train tickets and things like that he will travel all across europe basically for free by sort of riding freight trains and um just different things like that and honestly i know it sounds a bit weird but don't knock it until you try it he's, he's been to chernobyl um, and stayed there he just stays in sort of abandoned buildings and stuff like that he um he's just like sort of the definition of free living um and it's so so interesting his some of his episodes are sort of four hours long and you can just they're sort of split up with little moments where it cuts to black so i, I used to watch sort of like say 15 20 minutes before bed and then when when it got to black that's when i would turn it off and then i'd resume it the next night and stuff like that um so that's honestly really good um another one here it's more of a podcast but i watch it on youtube um because you see them and i think it's better to see the visual aid with it it's called i could murder a podcast and it's all about true crime and i will get on to true crime a bit later as well because i've got some more podcasts that i want to recommend um but I Could Murder a Podcast is really, really small at the moment. I think they're friends of Jackmate. And if you know that um the Happy Hour podcast, they're sort of friends of that channel. And it's basically about just sort of true um true crime cases, but it's good f- what I find is it's different to sort of other true crime um podcasts as one, it's not as serious. Yes, they it's obviously a serious topic, but they kind of um it's a bit lighter to listen to um in times of obviously there's really really dark moments but they kind of they don't make light of the situation but it's a kind of an easier listen to some of the more darker uh, podcasts that i've listened to um but yeah they, they haven't got very many subscribers on youtube at all i think it's about three thousand. um but the the production value and everything that goes into them are, are is fantastic and the good thing is that i think it's different is that they cover cases from all across europe as well as america so a lot of the podcasts that you get to listen to are mainly sort of american based um and you get all them cases which is how i learned about a lot of the cases that were um on mindhunter the netflix show i already knew a lot about them beforehand and because i'd listened to these other podcasts um 
so yeah but i'll get on the podcasts properly a bit later on in this episode but yeah that's a good one um if you're into sort of short documentaries like i am um vox and vice are both um great for that now i know i'm sure you've all heard of vice but vox is a bit of a smaller one they do a good series about um famous photographs from the past and um photographs that could be all and non true and stuff like that they're really good as well as just loads of things uh, they, they visited some guy um who just lives on a ranch he's based be a modern day cowboy and that was a good documentary there's, there's hundreds of good ones on there um and then another one um which is kind of a bit like um Shea the explorer but it's a bit more sort of tongue-in-cheek he's a um it's called vagrant holiday and there's i think there's six or six episodes and it was filmed from 2017 up to now and just the guy who who does it is absolutely hilarious um and doesn't really take any shit from anyone, but he literally refuses to pay um, anything. So he's even more extreme than what she is. And then he shows you the price of how long it costs. So you'll, vi- you'll visit like some ra- some random place in Asia, live there for like, or he did like the entirety of Europe. Um, and it'll cost him about a thousand pound to live there for like a month and a bit. It's, it, it's honestly crazy, but he literally does not live um, anywhere. He doesn't sleep anywhere in, like he does sleep indoors but he doesn't sleep anywhere that he's paid for um in one of the episodes he hides in a hotel underneath a stairwell and sleeps in there um but mainly he has a, a sleeping bag and he just sleeps in forests like off the side of motorways and stuff like that it's so sketchy but it's such it's it's just so so interesting so that's called vagrant holiday um so definitely check them out i think they're about an hour two hours long some of the episodes are great um but moving on um the next question was, what was my McDonald's order? And um, I really like to keep things simple uh, when it comes to McDonald's. It's either five selects medium meal with with a Coke and a plain cheeseburger. Um, of course, you'll have all you'll eat the chips first, then you'll eat the five selects before you even touch the drink. That's just how you how you got to do it. I normally eat the cheeseburger in the car on the way home. Um, or if I'm sharing um, with my girlfriend, I'll get twenty nuggets and um, a large Coke. Uh, we normally get some fries to share and the cheeseburger as well, which I'll probably eat on the way home in the car. Um, and <laughs> the final sort of question that I got asked um so thanks i think it was abby who sent these in so thanks for that um is my most embarrassing moment now i mean as someone who's lived pretty quite embarrassing life to be honest um there's a lot of moments but i guess these are the ones that just came to my head instantly um i've been double kegged quite a few times the main one being uh in the shopping center uh lane bradshaw um double kegged me in front of like quite a few people i don't even know if anyone kind of seen it was quite quick sort of pull up um but yeah that was pretty embarrassing i remember kind of pushing him and kind of hitting him up against uh greg's it was quite late on in the day so i think the shutters were down and the manager was like kicking off because i'd thrown him against the shutters and hit him in a kind of joking manner but i was really pissed off um so there was that uh i also got double kegged in a in on a football kind of field once um next to my nana's um it was actually the first time i met one of my close friends uh luke taylor so shout out luke if you're here and in front of my two cousins as well they found it hilarious i didn't find it hilarious um i remember luke being quite scared that he thought he was going to get proper because i was so upset um which he didn't but it was still it wasn't it wasn't a great moment um yeah uh another one um 
hearing someone slating my performance in Footloose, so if anyone doesn't know, I played Ren, uh, the lead role in Footloose when I was in um, high school. I was in year 12. And... Um, yeah, I was. I had actually just got the parts Kaniki the year after in Greece, and I heard someone behind me uh, going, "Oh yeah, my um." They were talking basically about the roles that people had got. I don't actually know who they were. They were only a couple of years below me at school, and um, it was like, "Oh yeah, Robson got Kaniki." So I kind of like turned my headphones down. I was listening to what they said, as as you do if you hear your name being mentioned by people you don't even know. And um, this girl was like, "Oh yeah, my mom uh, didn't like him in in Footloose. She said he was terrible and all this." And I was like, uh, "Yep, that does wonders for my confidence." Luckily, um, I, things like that don't really bother me. I've got quite a thick skin. I was like, okay. I'm not everyone's taste. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not the best of singers. Um, so it was fine. But it just I was more embarrassed for her because I think the other girl who was there actually realised that I was in front of them, kind of told her I shut up, um, and also disagreed with her before she realised that I was. Um, that was there so that was nice i guess but i was kind of embarrassed for her as much as i was embarrassed um and then i guess uh i think this is probably the most embarrassing out of them all was um finding out that i was an emotional drunk at the first house party i ever went to um so i mean i think pretty much everyone who's listened to this will, will probably know the house party that i that it was um it was when uh phoebe if you know who she is I uh, used to have her house parties in the summer. Uh, it was like the first time I've ever drank a lot and stuff like that. Loads of shit happened at that party. And I was just absolutely mortal. And we'd, we'd digged it up for ages. And I was all my friends and stuff. We, we were there. Um, and yeah, I was just kind of like really, really emotional. I think I cried quite a bit. Um, I don't know, just kind of like that. I was in year 10 at the time, or going into year 10 even. Um, oh, actually, it might have been year 10 and going into year 11. So I think I was about 15. Um yeah, just just really, really kind of embarrassing times. Um, I think I cried a lot. Um, I think it was I can't remember what the action, what it was really about. I know people got smacked. I think I got hit that night, but I don't think it was really about that. Um, it was probably just general kind of yeah, ten kind of girl troubles or something. Um, I've had a lot. It's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's many more than that. Um. But those were the ones that kind of came to my head. So anyway, thanks, Abby, for the, all those questions. And um, moving on. So I'm going to get on to my uh, Spotify Unwrapped. Um, I know like a lot of people on Twitter always say, like, oh, no one cares about your Spotify Unwrapped and stuff like that. But that's normally people who go around wearing sort of Stone Island and skinny jeans with um, Adidas Originals and, and all that kind of thing. Like they, they pretend that they, they don't care. Whilst, yeah, a lot to me, I, I care a lot. Um I love seeing what people's music uh, taste is and what they're interested in and stuff like that. I find it really, really interesting. I think you can tell a lot about a person from their music taste. Um, and then I think I just love seeing like some of the surprises and then seeing how you have like really similar taste to people who you wouldn't normally um, sort of associate yourself with and stuff like that. So I'm just going to get on with it now. Um, so I've just clicked on it here. Um, my top five hold on um so it comes up 2020 spotify wrapped uh the longest year ever may not be over yet um but your wrapped is finally here is what it says um so it says that um to start off with i've discovered 220 new artists this year even in 2020 i still found ways to grow which is is mad i do think that i have um 
definitely found a lot of new artists there. I've, I've listened to, um, sorry, um, yeah, 220 new artists. Yeah, I do feel like I've really, really explored different um, artists and different genres of music this year, just from being locked inside and being curious. Um, it says I'm a, I've got a genre lust, and uh, I've listened to 207 gen- genres with 72 new ones, and my top genres were... Um, so rap was number one, pop was two, rock was three, pop rap was four, and soft rock was five. Now, I think um, rap came from one weekend where I listened to loads, but um, but yeah. Uh, one song that helped me through the year was Love It If We Made It by the 1975, so that was my most listened to song of the year. Um, and that's not surprising, as I went to see them just before lockdown, and um, yeah that was amazing to finally see them after all these years i'd been waiting to see them um for so so long i had tickets to see them on one of their previous tours and i was ill and couldn't go um so i finally got to see them and it was just great the show was amazing and just the fact that that was like one of the last hoorays it wasn't actually the last concert i got to go to before lockdown um sam fender uh, was i believe um but yeah that 1975 gig was incredible and it's something that i'll remember forever considering that it was such a big part of this year um i've listened to their live sets so much also been in lockdown their red and sets particularly good if you get the if you're interested in the 1975 it normally gets uploaded to youtube so definitely find that and listen to that um but, you know, it says next, the 2020 required backup. So my top songs were Love It If We Made It, I Like America and America Likes Me, which is also by 1975, Hold Out and Always On My Side by Sam Fender, and number five was Lights Up by Harry Styles. Um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, of course, Harry made it on there because... I mean, who doesn't love that man? I think he made it onto pretty much everyone's list this year. Going on a podcast now, and it's um, asking what my top podcast was of the year, and it had Monster, um, the Zodiac Killer, Monster, DC Sniper, Manhunt, which is a um, a good podcast, and uh, The Winds of Change. Now, DC Sniper was the top because it's the longest and it was finished by... Actually, I think I did watch it week by week and then ended up listening to a couple episodes near the end. Um, but it was the longest out of all of them. But I will talk about podcasts more in depth once I've uh, got through this. I'm sorry, it runs really quick on here and I hadn't really prepared it beforehand. So that's why I'm sort of going through it really, really fast. Um, my top podcast genres were true crime, of course it was. Um, it says I'm a pioneer and that I listened to DG before it hit 50,000 streams. Uh, Next up, finding the new millennial pink. Uh, yeah. Um, for it back, uh, and it says my favorite decade from the past is the early 2000s, but I don't know how it wasn't the 60s because I listen to so much Beatles this year, uh, the 60s and 70s, um, especially. I listen to so much, um, of the Beatles, but it says that my top song of the decade was, um, Lady by um, Modjo, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, but yeah, my top artist of the year, which gets a lot of stick from a lot of people on Twitter, is the 1975. It's actually the first time I think that Kanye and Travis Scott haven't made it on my top five artists of the year as well, which is really interesting. I think that says a lot about how my music tastes have changed. As much as I still love rap, I love Travis Scott and Kanye, um, especially music-wise. Um, yeah, my music tastes have just changed a lot over the past year as well as my fashion sense and and everything over the past two years especially um so yeah my um 
I'll go on to uh, I've got some of these saved, and I think I actually put them on my Instagram last night, so a lot of people will have um, will have actually seen it. But um, my top artists were the 1975 at one, the Beatles at two, Sam Fender at three, Harry Styles at four, and Drake at five. Now Drake creeps onto everyone's list, no matter if you listen to him or not. I think I could listen to one Drake track this year, and it would have made it onto the list because honestly, like every year he was my top last year, I think, and I swear i didn't even listen to him that much i love drake i'm not nothing against him but I, i'm sure he's not my top um but he just seems to always make it onto my uh <laughs> onto the top of my um well at least in the top five but I, I do love drake especially his earlier stuff but my top songs um as i mentioned were love it if we made it i like america and america likes me hold out always on my side and lights up my top genre was rap now surprising considering my top four on rap on, there's no rappers in there but um there was a weekend at the start of the year where i went down to liverpool to see my friend lewis and we spent probably 48 hours 72 hours um like obviously we slept as well but the, the best part of those 72 hours sat playing nba um on the playstation and listening to rap music on my spotify um and we just you know did it the proper way we picked an album I picked an album, he picked an album, and we just went through it like that uh, from start to finish, no skipping, nothing like that. It was a great weekend and one of the last hoorays, again, before lockdown. And so I think that's how rap's probably my top genre. And now this year, I mean, this will probably surprise a lot of people because some people's reached like 100,000, 200,000 uh, minutes listened, but I only I only listened to 21,000 minutes this year. Um, I listen to majority of music and podcasts when I'm on the bus to uni and back. Um, I missed what three months of uni, so I didn't get that. Whilst I'm in in the house, I mainly watch things. I don't really listen to many podcasts or listen to music unless I'm cooking tea, or I'm in the bath or the shower. Occasionally, I listen to music, but again, I normally watch things. Um, so yeah, um, as much as I like love music, I think that's pretty poor performance for me. I do prefer podcasts. I have to admit to music to listen to music now. Um, I'm again, I'm surprised Nirvana didn't make my top five. I was sure I'd listen to them more, and I listened to Drake this year. Um, but I mean, I'm sure they bumped Drake uh, up so he makes it onto everyone's like i said because i remember last year we looked into some there's some way you can look at your analytics properly and it brings up this like really blank web page and gives you really really in-depth detail and it was the comp it was so different to what they gave you on spotify rap so so yeah um that's my spotify rap i'm interested to see yours so don't be put off um putting it on your instagram and stuff like that if you see or putting it on twitter if you see people moaning about it because do honestly i think a lot of people are interested in what you listen to and it also helps um like give people a feeling of what you um of who you are and stuff like that it's it's an expression of yourself so um yeah i love spotify unwrapped um that was mine from this year and i hope you are sort of satisfied with yours as well um moving on uh but not really i guess um i've got some podcast recommendations for you um now these aren't sort of like this podcast they're true mainly true crime podcasts um and i know i know it's a fascination that a lot of people have and a lot of people will have listened to but i just know so many people listen to different um types that um it's always great to get recommendations again in much like youtube i love 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 getting podcast recommendations um i can mainly got into uh into podcasts from being at film festival and someone recommended um caliphate to me um 
So Caliphate is a podcast um, by a New York Times journalist. I can't remember her name, sadly, off the top of my head. Um, who um, basically looked into um, ISIS and um, everything that was going on around them at the time. It's a bit of an older podcast. I think it was 2018 when it came out. Um but it's so, so interesting. There's a guy on it who she interviews who claimed that he'd joined ISIS and then quit and moved back to Canada. And that's about as much as I'll tell you because, honestly, I, I can't recommend it more. And that's what made me love podcasts. And all of these podcasts that I'll mention from now on stem from what from listening to that first because it was just so interesting. And investigative podcasts are my favourite. As much as I love true crime and learning about things that have happened in the past, I love podcasts that are looking into things that could possibly still be solved or looking into cases that are unsolved or where people were wrongly convicted and where the journalist is actually investigating things rather than just reporting on things. I think, I think they're just so fascinating. Um, so from there, I, I went on to Serial, which is quite a, a um, famous one. They covered the case of Bo Bergdahl, who was a deserter in the army and got captured for five years by um i don't i was i was either isis or um another terrorist group i can't quite remember al-qaeda possibly um but uh, he was captured for five years and was basically put in this dark um kind of cell really um where he didn't get any daylight pretty much for five years he did escape at one point and then they captured him again and then he got out and it was quite a big case because um whether he should be done for desertion and could be court-martialed and sent to prison. Um, Donald Trump was a big, big uh, supporter of him being put in prison. Um, however, I think he did get cleared in the end. That's not much of a spoiler. I, I think it, it, it that's kind of talked about pretty early on due to the fact that he's that she can talk to him. Um, yeah, give that a listen. The first season is the case of um, Adnan Syed, who this actually got turned into a pod, into a documentary on Sky. Um, I think it's Sky Crime. It's on, um, and yeah, you can watch that. Or but the podcast is definitely better, and that's about did he kill his girlfriend, um, or did he not? And that is that's another incredible one. Um, moving on. Payne Lindsay is my favourite sort of podcast producer and uh, reporter. Um, he's done three podcasts to date that I know of. Oh, he's done four, sorry, but I've only listened to three. And one's still going at the moment. Um, and um, But Up and Vanished is absolutely incredible. It, it covers the case of Tara Grinstead and her murder, and that's an investigative one. Um, he tries to find out what happened because they don't know, they never caught the killer. It was in some small town in America. Um, you've got Atlanta Monster, which covers the Atlanta child killings. Um, there's a famous Andre 3000 verse in a Travis Scott song that talks about that. They, uh, I think the entirely the second season of Mindhunter covers it um, as well. So if you're interested in learning more about that, that's a great one. And then there's one that's covering at the moment, which I've actually been listening to this afternoon whilst I've been out, is Dead and Gone, um, which is about the the Grateful Dead, um, who are a band from the 60s and 70s, I think even in uh, definitely the 80s, um, who... There's just loads of sort of random killings where they're kind of connected, not that the band itself, but um, killings or people found dead from car crashes with tickets in their pocket or someone stabbed whilst they're wearing a jacket. And it's not a serial killer or anything, um, but basically it's it's a bit like Up and Vanished where um, 
where he's investigating a specific murder um, of two young people and he's trying to get the bottom of that because someone was wrongfully convicted um, and died in prison um, even though they are suspected not to have actually done the murders and honestly episode 6 especially of that is an incredible listen um, so I highly highly recommend that um, To Live and Die in LA is another investigative one um, about a a young model who um moves to LA and she gets killed and no one sort of knows how it happened and then they kind of work out how it happened and it all just spirals from there. That's the most um I would say investigative one out of them all, as in terms of like things are happening in real time as you're listening to it and it it's honestly mental you listen in one minute and it's like everything's calm and then the next you're like oh my god um that was a great one manhunt um it uses the guy from the um program hunted if you've seen that on channel four and he's looking for a guy called kevin paul um another good podcast that's by bbc the lady vanishes i listened to this on holiday last year um that is about um someone who went missing uh, she just up and left australia she actually came to sort of travel around england and stuff um and then her family just stopped here in contact from her and it found out that she changed her name and stuff like this and they're still looking for her this was in 1999 um this is a really interesting case and it's quite um quite heartbreaking at times listening to her daughter playing to try and find um her, her mother as it was right before a wedding and she's had kids since then who've never known their grand uh, their grandparent. and um yeah, they even go and interview a guy on his doorstep um, who they think might have something to do with it, and it's really, really interesting. Listen, um, California City is about a, a land scam in California, another good one. Culpable is about a murder that happens in a house, and they kind of know who did that, and they, they just kind of didn't get um, arrested for it. That is quite a good one. Um but yeah, that's pretty much all the, the best podcasts I've ever listened to right there. And there's another one called The Crypto um, the crypto Queen or The Cryptocurrency Queen. It's a BBC podcast about the missing um, crypto queen of... Um, it's not Bitcoin, it's OneCoin. Um, that one's another another good one, so, so check that out. But that, that's all for the sort of podcast recommendations. Also, if you're a Liverpool fan um, or like me... Uh, my voice surprisingly um uh tat the anfield talk podcast um hashtag tat pod also um as it's called um is a good liverpool podcast that i am also a part of um so those are loads of recommendations for you as well as this one if you love your podcasts and i'll listen to this um get listening to them and if you do take me up on the recommendations let me know what you think of them because they're truly incredible whether you're sort of in the house and need something to listen to um out and about honestly i'm sure you won't be disappointed um but I, if i had to recommend one out of them it would be up and vanished um so definitely listen to that um if not first just at some point definitely listen to that so um moving on under the sort of final thing that i want to talk about today that is christmas films um we've reached december uh christmas is my favorite time of year as it is every like a lot of people's obviously um but just mainly for like the films you get to watch that feeling you get from sitting down and being sort of cozy and watching christmas films um and just the sort of 
Christmas specials, especially of sitcoms and stuff. I, and as much as I'm such a massive sitcom fan, I, like I just love them. I just love the Christmas specials, Gavin and Stacey's Christmas special, and just the Royal Family's Christmas special, and all that. They're just truly incredible. Having said that, when I normally watch a sitcom, um, if it's not Christmas time and it comes up to a Christmas episode, I will skip it. For example, like Big Bang Theory. Going back to Abby's question about how much I like Big Bang Theory. Um, like if, whenever it hits the Christmas episodes, then I'll just skip past them I, because it's like, oh, I hate that, that feeling when it's not Christmas. It gets me a bit down. But anyway, I've got a top 20 list here of Christmas films and I'll just go through them and I'll rate them and kind of give my opinion on them and if I've seen them or not. Um, So here we go. Um, Oh, wow. So number 20 <laughs> is The Santa Claus, which came out in 1994, the Tim Allen um film which is in my top three films christmas films of all time i can't believe that's only 20 on the list it's truly amazing it's on disney plus um now uh it's in my top three that and the second one are, are incredible i remember going to see the third one at the pictures with some friends um for someone's birthday and it was okay i don't think i've actually seen it since but i think i will get around to watching that this year um but yeah the santa claus is in my top uh top three so i can't believe it's only 20 but moving on um Oh, okay, so number 19 is a film called The Apartment. Um, it came out in 1960. It's obviously a film I've, I've heard about a lot. Um, it's a Billy Wilder film who's an incredible Hollywood writer, probably the best of all time, um, definitely considered up there. I never actually realised this was a Christmas film, um, and I nearly watched it a couple of months ago, so I'm definitely going to have to get round to this this year, because... Um, yeah, it's 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 like Hailed is one of the sort of best films of all time. So, um, so yeah, that's interesting. I'd be interested to know what people think about um certain films that are are they consider Christmas films or not? Because you can have something that um that mentions Christmas and something that happens at Christmas time that's not a Christmas film. For example, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the first one, they make they get Christmas number one, and that's not really a Christmas film, but that's kind of a big part of the film which is kind of interesting. Um, obviously, Die Hard as well. We'll not get onto that. I'll, it'll be interesting to know if it makes this list. Um, Miracle on 34th Street, um, the 1994 film. So obviously a good year for Christmas films. However, I don't, I don't really rate it. Um, I mean, I know that it was originally... There was an original version of this that came out in 1947 as well. Um, but... Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm I'm not that big of a fan of it. I've seen it a few times. And I just kind of think it's a bit, uh, a bit dull, a bit depressing. Um, people might think it's heartwarming. To be fair, um, that's probably another word you could use it, but it's it's not one of my my favorites. It's obviously got the um, the girl from Matilda in it as well. Um, who I, I can't actually remember her name now, but yeah, moving on. Um, the holiday, a, a, a great one that um my girlfriend introduced me to um she's also she's um cameron diaz plays a film editor if i'm correct i'm thinking um oh she's like she edits trailers or something it just wants um time away um because i think she's gone for a bad break the same with kate winslet and they swap and then they find partners and stuff like that it's it's a great film it's up there it's definitely up there it's in our top 10 that's good um good eight out of ten great great christmas film um Rare Export is 16 from the list, A Christmas Tale. Um, it's a Finnish fantasy horror film, apparently. Um, 
they go to Lapland. Uh, yeah, never heard of this before. It came out in 2010, but 16 from this list, so maybe check that out. Um, if you're into sort of more fantasy horror stuff, that's not really my definition of a Christmas film, I don't think. But um, 2014 is Happy Christmas, um, a low-budget, entirely improvised film um, from Mumblecore actor, director Joe Swanberg, um, Anna Kendrick's in it. Um, yeah, I mean, that sounds good. Like, the fact it was improvised, that, that's pretty interesting. I might have to check that out. Um, White Christmas, obviously it's a it's a big one. Everyone knows this. Uh, Bing Cosby. Um, great film. Um, one Probably not one of my best, but I, I have seen it and I do like it. Um, oh, Die Hard is on the list, everyone. Um, number 13 is Die Hard on this list. Uh, is it a Christmas? Yeah, it is a Christmas film, I think, just because I don't think anyone really watches it at any other time of the year. It's now considered a Christmas film, regardless of whether people view it as a Christmas film or not. Um, yeah, I, I think it probably is, to be fair. It's a Christmas party and stuff like that. It it's, it's probably is a Christmas film. Um, the Bishop's Wife, 1947. Again, don't let Black and White put you off. Some of the best ones are in Black and White. Um... Carrie Grant's in this, a great actor. Um, yeah, uh, 1947, The Bishop's Wife might be one to check out. Um, this, this is very good to sort of find things that... Um, because I feel like every year I watch the same things. It is good to just kind of find new Christmas films and new specials and stuff like that to watch. It's always good. Like, that was Die Hard for me a couple of years ago. I hadn't seen it, and I watched it, and it was great, and now I kind of watch it every year as well. Um just to say as well it's the 2nd of december as i'm recording this and i've already watched um the gavin and stacy christmas special which is always the first thing i watch on december 1st and then i watched home alone as well um up next i'll probably be home alone 2 and then start watching the santa clauses i know elf comes on um sky movies on the 8th I think it's either the 8th or the 7th of December. So if you're looking for somewhere to watch that and can't find it, it might already be on Amazon Prime, but if not, Sky um, Movies is your place to watch it. Um, 1999, A Christmas Carol um, with Patrick Stewart and Richard E. Grant is at 11. All the Christmas Carols ad adaptations are great. Um, having said that, The Muppets Christmas Carol will always be the best. Um next is Meet Me in St. Louis, which was actually filmed during the war. Um, it's got Julie Garland in. Um, and it's a musical comedy. Um, now I've heard of this, but I haven't seen it. So, again, um, might be wanting to check out this Christmas. Um, Home Alone 2 makes it in at number nine. I love Home Alone 2, to be honest. I think it's it's, it's in my top three. I think I prefer it to the first one. Um I, I love the sort of New York vibe. It just feels so much, I guess, more Christmassy to me. But I have to admit, I think the Home Alone films, especially the first one, is one of the most beautifully, like, looking films ever. Like, that film kind of nostalgic film vintage look and the colours that you get from that. Like, obviously, the cinematography's not, so, like, meant to be outstanding, but I just think it's just such a warm film and it's just so, like, bright and the colours that I use are, are incredible. Um, but yeah, I think I do actually prefer Home Alone 2 to Home Alone, um, the first one. Uh, Carol is a 2015 film. Again, I've never heard of this one. Um, 
yeah, um, when it comes to Christmas films, there is no shortage of love and romance, but it's all overwhelmingly straight. Um, even Love Actually filmed a queer storyline among its 524 underweaving plots. Um, these are the words of... Um, of I can't remember where this article came from. Whoever wrote this article, I'll have a look in a second. Um, uh, before deciding it should be cut from the film. Oh my God, I never knew that. So Love Actually actually cut a queer... Okay, queer storyline out of it. That, that kind of bums me out a bit. Um, I'm not even a big fan of Love Actually anyway, to be honest, um, which will probably shock a lot of people because I know a lot of people love it, but I can't believe they cut that out. I'd, I'd never even heard of that. But yeah, there's Carol. Um, I think it, it must be a... Um, it's a, it's an adaptation of a 1952 novel in which a department store wor worker falls in love with a mysterious older woman. So it's actually a um, an LGBTQ uh, film. Wow, that... that that's i'm definitely going to check this out it sounds like really really good it's, it's a lot different to everything anything else you sort of um you sort of normally get in a christmas film you don't really normally tend to see uh that being represented so that's that's great um i'm definitely going to check that out uh, love actually comes in at number seven so despite them slating it in the um the part before they have now uh, that was a studio canal review of it by the way um this is a rex review of, of love actually now and that came out number seven. Um, I'm not a fan of Love Actually, to be honest. That, that's kind of made me less of a fan. I, it's got a good cast, but I just think it's it's just a bit boring. Um, and it just makes makes all men look shit. Um, which a lot of them are. Gremlins is in number six now. For me, Gremlins isn't a Christmas film. Um, so moving on. I can't believe that's at number six. At number number five is The Muppets Christmas Carol, 1992. It's incredible. Jim Henson is my all time. Just he's just a god. He's not. He's he's up there with Walt Disney for me, and I don't think he gets enough credit. Now going back to things on YouTube to watch, Defunct Land is someone who does a lot of sort of short docs um, and sort of longer length documentary series um, with many parts on Disneyland and Disney in general. So definitely check that out if you're into that because it's he's his stuff's really really in depth. But he did one on Jim Henson as well, and it was like a six or seven part um, docu series. And it's probably the, my favourite thing that I've ever watched on YouTube. So um, definitely, definitely check that out. Um, if you're into that, um, it's he, the man was just honestly a genius. And the stuff that he did and that he worked on in his life is just so inspiring. Um, Muppets was fifth. Uh, the Snowman's at four. Um, an overrated one for me um 1982 walking the air i absolutely hate it it makes all my hair stand up on my back of my neck not in a good way i just don't like it um again just a bit but the end now i'm a massive massive fan of animation it's probably what's up there for one of my favorite genres of um like films and i love try i love trying to get sort of people who use animation in different um kind of forms for example like using animation and documentary um montage of heck the kirk Cobain documentary uses animation in such a, a clever way um and the animation in the snowman um is, is really good but i just um I, I just don't apparently it's not even that widely known outside the uk which surprises me but um yeah i'm just i'm just not that big of a fan of it, it never really makes my christmas like want to watch list elf sat free 
it's the first Christmas film I ever seen at the pictures. It was probably one of the first films I ever went to see at the pictures. I remember it pretty fondly. I remember it didn't come out on DVD for a while after that. I think it was about two or three years, honestly. And then the day it came out, my parents went and bought it for me and my sister. The DVD extras on that were incredible. There's this one where you're in a sled and um you have to pick the different directions that buddy goes in it's absolutely incredible um so if anyone has the dvd of elf and it has the dvd extras stick it in a dvd player and play it you'll not be disappointed although you probably will be because it probably hasn't aged that well but elf is incredible um i love it um it's just it's just yeah both feral that and step brothers are his two best works uh in, in my opinion um if, do you want to hear my okay I'll, I'll do my impression of um of Mr. Normal, as I always like to do. Bye, buddy. I hope you find your dad. Thanks, Mr. Norwal. Um, yeah, maybe that could go in the most embarrassing moments um, that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, maybe that's up there, but yeah, that's my impression of Mr. Norwal from Elf. Um, Home Alone, the first one, makes it in at number two, which means we all know what number one's going to be, and it's It's a Wonderful Life, which I watched for the first time in film class in sixth form. And uh, James Stewart's performance in that is truly, truly remarkable. I actually seen um, Jim Carrey in his stand-up days do a little um, bit about uh, James Stewart. Honestly, hilarious. If you can find it, uh, I recommend that as well. Um, so, yeah, that's, um, I mean, that's quite about it of what I've got to talk about today. I just thought it would be nice to kind of talk about some Christmassy films and things like that as we have dipped into December. Um, so yeah, I think we'll, we'll leave it there. I have, um, I've talked for quite enough and, um, I have got some other things planned, but they're just taking a little bit longer to get going. Um, there's, I, I really want to do some stuff on conspiracy theories and a really, really big conspiracy theory that I love and that I honestly think could be true. Although when I was been looking into it, a lot of people just think it's a big load of shit, as it might be, but there just seems to be so much evidence in it. So I'm doing loads of research into that and I'm going to do it with a friend and sort of pitch the idea to them. Um, so that will come out at some point, but I don't know when because it's about the timings and getting us a time where we can both film that and the research has taken quite a while. So I apologise for the kind of, I haven't been as active in the podcast scene as I was originally intended to be, but I am going to continue getting um, hopefully two or three out a week. I, I am on another podcast. And I am, again, working on my documentary um, and stuff like that and trying to get that done by the end of the year. So um, that's kind of why I've been dipping in and out um, of podcasting. Um but yeah, um, thanks for listening and I shall see you soon.